Welcome to the Building Sustainability Podcast with me, Jeffrey Hart. Every fortnight, join me as I talk to designers, builders, makers, dreamers, and doers. Together, we can explore the wide world of sustainability in the built environment by talking to wonderful people who are doing excellent things. Hello and welcome to episode 102. This episode's guests are once again the wonderful Joe Bolton and Matt Whitaker of Abundant Earth. The previous episode, 101, was also with Joe and Matt talking about their intentional community, Abundant Earth. Uh, today, we are discussing the creation of their stunning straw bale house uh, where this conversation was recorded. I would say that this episode is certainly standalone, but if you listen to episode 101 first, you might have a little more context of the setting and just how delightful Joe and Matt are. Before the episode, we have got news, uh, the Woodland Pioneers. So back in October of last year, you had three episodes from the Woodland Pioneers event. Uh, that was all about coppicing. I'll put a link to those if you want to listen. Um, but the Woodland Pioneers event is coming around again. Uh, it runs from Monday, August 28th for five days. Uh, there is a link to the event in the show notes if you want to immerse yourself in the coppice scene with coppice workers making lovely coppice crafts uh it's a really really brilliant event with uh, such good people um yeah get yourself involved with that also happening at the same time actually uh is the european straw bale gathering happening in denmark this year uh that is from august 31st to the 3rd of september if you're interested in straw bale building in a big way, that would be a great thing to get to. Uh, also wanted to say the latest episode of The Last Straw Journal is out. It's excellent. It's the biggest volume they've done so far. Uh, really, really good read. So if you're into the alternative journal of design and construction for dirtbags and dreamers, which I imagine you probably are, then uh, then get yourself a copy of that. A link is in the show notes. No new patrons this week, so just time to say thank you to all of the patrons that already exist. And say if you want to support the podcast financially, then you can by going to patreon.com forward slash building sustainability. I think that's it. We'll keep it nice and succinct today. I'm back at the end very briefly, but until then, enjoy the wonderful Joe and Matt. <laughs> 
Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. So we're, we're sat in your beautiful, beautiful house. Um can you well can you describe uh sort of what it is and and what the vision was so there's a straw bale house mm-hmm. and it's just a loaded straw bale house i suppose nebraskan style i think they call it don't they so all of the weight of the the building is on straw bales there's lots of timber frame the idea of it was um was to build a house that didn't touch the woodland that it sits on. So there's lots. It's kind of a Weetabix shape. There's two stories of Weetabix shape. And then on one end of the final Weetabix, uh, there's a circle, like a big yurt, because we've lived in a yurt. And on top of each of the roofs, there's a big curtain roof behind it uh, where the retaining wall, because it's set down in a bank a little bit, built a retaining wall with big tyres from trucks that holds the bank side. So the, the ground floor sits kind of in the bank side. First floor is up above and it's got a turf roof on and there's this curtain roof that reaches out towards the tyres. And then there's a final turf roof on the, the circle above on top of the Weetabix. And each of those turf roofs, has the idea was just to replace the woodland. You know, so there's So at the moment, like on the curtain roof, the woodland stretches down the bank and then you can see it splatter up the side of the house really on the roof. There's bluebells and then there's there's even uh, dog's mercury, you know, like an ancient woodland indicator, which has spread itself up onto the roof as well. So it's kind of this, what I wanted was a seamless kind of something that sat in its environment without having hurt it. We chopped down one tree, one big tree, which is this oak beam that's above us. And, we cut that down by hand and then uh, we chainsaw milled it and hewed it with axes to make it look pretty. But, you know, that, that was the one sacrifice the land had to make for this house, really. Mm-hmm. So that was the idea of it, to, to make a house that was both good for the people inside it, you know, plenty of curves and natural materials, you know, stuff to feed the soul, but also good and nourishing for the land around it. Mm-hmm. And actually the, the usable space that happens underneath that outside curtain is a really good cellar space so it's, because it's in the earth. It's a really good cool. So that's that's our pantry area. And right. And yeah. then the bike shed. <laughs> yeah, I, I was really interested in lime and earth. And, um, yeah, I read a few books on it. And, like the timber frame, the other house, that was wrapped in straw bales. Yeah. But I wanted to make... You know, the Nebraskan style that was loaded and how high could you go? So this one's three stories and it's got a second story, which has been a, a little push on the straw bales. Right. Been some, we've just finished the top part. And, you know, as you go up and up and put more <laughs> earth on, you know, despite the best efforts at compressing those bales with straps mm-hmm. and things, there have been a, a few little compression cracks over the years as things have settled and, 
finding out how to work about. You did also want to go for this style to make it less labour-intensive and quicker so there wasn't a timber frame Yeah, as well. I'm not sure that really worked. <laughs> I'm not sure there is an easy building, really. <laughs> uh, there are different ways of building, yeah. but um, none of them are quicker, it turns out. <laughs> this one certainly hasn't been, but... If you're going to do it all by hand. Yeah. I mean, lots of the mixing of this has been done with a petrol-powered mixer. Right. But the previous house, we all did it all in a bathtub, and mm-hmm. certainly lots of the earth renders were done in that bathtub that's still in the yard there. So... Yeah. Um, did so the I mean we're sat in the the sort of circular end now. Uh, you said you lived in yurts, and so that felt like a mm. circles. Yeah, there's something pretty magic about them, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Like, can you put into words what that that is? Um, for me, it's the lack of straight edges. Yeah, there's no end to it. It's just this continuum of space. It just flows into itself. It's really annoying to build build furniture for. But in every other sense, it just feels good to the soul. You know, it just it sits comfortably on the eye and then soaks in in this. Yeah, it's a flowing form. Yeah, it feels like a soft space to live. I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well, yeah, despite its difficulties for fitting shelves and the likes, definitely do it again. Yeah. But a circle isn't necessary. <laughs> there's a reason why people build in squares, I think. Yeah. But there's also a reason to build in circles. You know, roundhouses have been along for a very long time, haven't they? And I'm sure... I mean, strength. Yeah, strength. I mean, there's a strength in a circle too. Mm-hmm. The firewood piles up in the top show that. They're self-supporting. But, yeah, for me, it's it's just the way they feel and look. They're just soft, beautiful. And, and this one is lumpy and flowing as well because our plastering technique and our bales were eaten by rats, so we had to retie them. You know, so they weren't the best bales by the time. But, you know, even that, we've, we've built this house on rat-chewed bales uh, it's still here 14 years later yeah. it's a very durable wonderful technique isn't it so yes and uh, to say your I mean your walls aren't overly <laughs> lumpy <laughs> <laughs> certainly seen lumpier walls but yeah but, um, yeah. yeah I guess it's there's something I'm I'm sort of I'm trying to sort of find the words to describe it because of my earth floors hmm. uh, there's there's a beauty in that slight undulation and it's hand finished and mm-hmm. uh, even when it looks flat if you walk around on it there's an ever so slight mm. yeah. and that feels really good and it feels really um, see I haven't got the words for it yet it's mm-hmm. a natural thing yeah. Yeah. and then yeah all well, these people are getting their laser flat concrete floors or, mm. or and yeah you don't get the same sort of multi-sensory feeling from it yeah I wonder if it is the, I'm imagining walking on an earth floor and that that feedback that we have from our bodies our bodies are designed to kind of you know to feel for safety and to respond to the surfaces we touch mm. so there's something that's a little bit more 
give and take, a bit of yielding, a bit of receiving from the the spaces that we're in touch with. Mm. And I imagine that happens a bit with our eyes on a soft wall, that there's something that's a bit give and take, there's a bit of movement between us and the surface that we're meeting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm thought of that. It's it's always the thing, isn't it? People say natural buildings feel better, mm. uh, and I'm always sort of trying to trying to uncover what that what is. That yeah, people often I... say about this building and perhaps other natural buildings that feel like it's been here forever, mm-hmm. you know, even after it was just built. Someone walks around and says, "Oh, it's got that feel of of like it's from the 14th century or something," and. That's that's only I think because it's natural materials. And, mm-hmm. You know, it's like fire has mm-hmm. been with us for so long, and that's why everyone is touched and moved by fire. You know, sitting around a campfire, blacksmithing, whatever it is. But no, also natural materials are part of us as as society, yeah. as you know, the history of the last ten thousand years at least, not before before and, that as well. And nature's moved in like there's bats already in this in the roof. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like. It's yeah. like the building's been received by the woodland as well. Kind of given the thumbs yeah. up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that softness of of surface, though, I think you're, you're right on that. Mm. You can get something generally flat, uh, but then it's not. You walk along it, you pad along it softly. Your body has to move and go with the flow. It's that going with the flow for me, that, that movement of materials and how they stretch then into their environment and the people that use them. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it doesn't touch you in the soul, it, it's, you know, I won't name any big building companies, but they build houses that are square, flat, featureless, soulless places that do not feed the soul, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And they offer a place to stay warm and dry, but in order to, you know, I, I can sit here and, look at the walls, watch the shadows, and it's like a television in itself, you know, the movement of life that comes through the windows, the sun, the darkness of a black cloud passing over. It offers this texture that is received inside from outside, you know, it's connection. I think it's human energy as well, the amount of human energy that goes into this kind of building. Mm. You know, we can look around and, and, <laughs> and remember. Can you remember when this person were here? And mm-hmm. can you remember what that was like, how long they stayed for, the conversations that we had? There is so much human energy, so many hours of human energy in this house. And I think we receive that as, as we're, when we're being in the space. Mm-hmm. Like going into a cathedral and just feeling that the ancient, the amount of voices, prayer, energy that's held in the space. I'm not comparing this to a cathedral, but in terms of in terms of the human energy that's put in here, there's been a lot of hours. <laughs> yeah, and how how did you like how? Did you get lots of people to come and help? Was mm. it? Did you run it as workshops? Was it? friends, family? Because we were part of Woof scheme, we had some Woof help. Yeah, and we had a couple of... But we had Ross. Yeah. Kieran. Kieran. Andy, Andy. Paid them a little bit of money, some pocket money, and they stayed and lived here. Um, a couple of years? Yeah. Andy stayed here a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Ross stayed here a year and a half. You know, they were, they were young 
fellows that really wanted to come and build and be part of a project like this. So, you know, they their energy just rolled the whole thing, kept it moving, and then, you know, they had friends. And sometimes when we initially laid the earth floor before the well erupted between up from the floor <laughs> we had we had you know 20 people laying the earth floor and it took a day Oof, it was down mm-hmm. amazing amazing effort and you know same with the straw bale the plastering how many tons of earth have gone into this building i do not know but it is you know 100 at least 100 tons of earth plaster and lime plaster and that's a lot of mixing and a lot of people and you know you'd have days when there were 10 people days when there were two people Days where there were 30 people that would be outside mixing in here. All of various jobs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's been you through the whole thing with various people coming to help. Kieran helped putting some drawings together at the beginning because he was yeah. training to be an architect. Mm-hmm. Many different people. Yeah. Too many to name. Yeah, it was going to be done in a year and a half. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That kept everyone going for a while. And then <laughs> they ceased to believe me. And I ceased to believe myself. But, um, yeah, it was no formal way. It was really, people would come and they'd either stay for a day or they'd stay for six months or mm-hmm. two years, as we said. So. And because we can offer people somewhere to live as well, yeah. basics, somewhere basic to live. Being fed from the garden. Yeah, yeah. You cooked a lot of bread and cake in those days. Yeah. Essential. Mm. Yeah. And so, how long did it take? Before we moved in, it was a couple of years, but we just moved into one place and then kept working. Yeah. Uh, because we, we had moved out and stayed in the, the village for a year. Right. Because uh, we were all sharing the first house. <laughs> there were eight of us in a two bedroom, one kitchen house. We were living and working together. Sometimes that was a little uh, testing. So we moved out. I, the, uh, I was I was ill. Oh, you were I got Emmy, um, and so we got a place in the village where we we just went for weekends. We just needed some respite from living all eight of us in mm-hmm. one house. <laughs> <laughs> so sure enough, yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, a, a year, two years. We were in and living it and still working. I, yeah. I, I took two years out from the business, really. I, I earned enough money to pay my wages, such that they were at the time. I think we were, £25 a week. I think we might have gone up to £50 a week by then. But, yeah. <laughs> the big money. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we, I earned enough money to do that. But everything else was this. It was full-time. And, yeah. yeah. Yeah, pretty full-on. But lovely, beautiful. It's what it was. What I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So there was no problem and getting up in the morning. Having those, yeah, and Kieran and Ross here. It was a really gorgeous. Yeah, having a crew that were mm. all into it, and we'd get through the jobs. Yeah, and see it going up, and seeing it evolve, and mm-hmm. yeah, it, it felt like it was because you have to build it from the floor up. We had a big sheet over the top of it that also took. You know, so it grew under, and the sheet would go up, and yeah, it was like a mushroom coming up from the ground. You do one level and then start the next. But even the sheet was working itself. It would rain, and puddles would mm. go on the sheet, and you'd have to wake up two o'clock in the middle of the night and push a stick, and all the pla- you know, it's just 
Now, all of that, you know, we talked earlier about waking up at three o'clock and sorting out problems in head. You know, it wasn't just, you know, the daytime building. It was the working out of problems in the middle of the night. Yeah. You know it. Mm -hmm. I know it so, so well. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and you'd just be sort of talking to someone, you look in their eye and suddenly you'll be like, and that joins into that in that way and I've solved the problem. (laughs) Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I was focusing on that conversation, really. All-consuming, isn't it? Yeah, very much so. And did um, the the people that helped and stayed for a long time, is, did they carry on building? Uh, the architect is still an architect. Uh, the other lad, he's more into gardening and looking after plants and trees now. But uh, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, he uh, he builds lots of nice steps in the in the gardens with his woodworking and mm-hmm. stuff like that. It's definitely taken some skills. skills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, the the architect is he he got his first job because of this place. Right. So he showed the plans that he'd drawn for this to the company that he wanted to work with because they had a big green building aspect to their their business. So on the back of what he'd done here, he got his first job and has moved forward that for this. So it was definitely helpful for him, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. And we don't see Auntie so much anymore. No. No, he's always been a bit of a dark horse anyway, hasn't he? His own... Well, he likes hanging out with monks, doesn't he? And being very quiet. Right, Okay. So he's quite involved with the Buddhist movement. Monastery out in Northumberland. But sometimes it's it's not about, is it? It's not about whether you're going to be a builder. That's it, isn't it? It's like it just feeds you in a Mm. way that you need at the time. And being in a particular stage of life, that learning stage, that kind of, you know, having a what is out there, absorbing what is out there, what the possibilities, being in community. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. often enough. When uh, when I ran Heartwind, so we'd take ten people and and build a house with them, mm-hmm. and I got people to sort of select in the application process. We'd have a hundred people apply, and uh, mm-hmm. I got people to say what their reason for for applying was, and it was you know I want to be a, a natural builder. Um, I'm sort of taking a break from my career, and one was just. I want a life experience, mm. and every you know, I picked mm. a certain amount of people from each each group, mm-hmm. and I felt that was really important to bring yeah. those people together for an you know that community experience. Yeah. Um, I think people were perhaps afraid to tick the "I want a life experience" yeah. box because I wondered if people imagined that to be a sort of negative from my perspective. It's yes. not worthy enough. Or... Yeah, like I only want to train natural builders, but no, I really wanted. Mm-hmm. I think there's so much value in you know, the the people that came, who were in that sort of category. I, I think they had a lovely time. Yeah, you know, they've gone about and done whatever they've done afterwards, and uh, and they've talked about this wonderful natural building technique mm. to so many other people that would not be in contact with that knowledge otherwise, which mm. is really important for society in this problem of concrete being used for everything and I think actually it takes more courage to step out of your usual life for an original life experience that will 
inform the rest of your life, but not necessarily be, you know, it's, it's not necessarily on a, you're on a linear route. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned you had an earth floor. Yeah. <laughs> tell, tell me, first of all, uh, about living with the earth floor before uh, pre, pre-flood. Yeah. Uh, well, the earth floor, beautiful, undulating, gorgeousness. Mm-hmm. Uh, felt connected to the earth, despite damp courses and things. That was de- that was the reason that we wanted to do it. That mm. we wanted to stay very connected. We didn't want there to be a gap between us and the earth. Mm-hmm. So, so it was lovely. It was beautiful. Would love to have one still, but uh... held the heat really well. So we'd wake up in the morning because it had underfloor heating. We'd wake up in the morning with the house being really warm. Mm-hmm. But. It wasn't to be, because <laughs> when we dug the hole for the house in the bank side, we were just digging one last hole in order to put this rainwater collection system. And the digger was digging a hole. We hired a little mini digger, an amazing guy called Keith, who was just a force of nature himself in his own way. Uh, so he, he dug this, this hole, and all of a sudden, we'd been hitting grey clay layer, which is what's over the top of our aquifer here, uh, but mostly it was fine. There was one place around the back where it folded a little and the grey clay, grey clay layer came up and we needed to stop digging at that point because that's the cap on the aquifer. It's quite thick. It's like two foot thick. But unfortunately, where the um, the hole we were digging was, uh, it was quite thin, clay layer there, and it folded and came right up in the landscape there, just a little anomaly. <laughs> so the digger went through it and all of a sudden there was this geezer of water this is before we even started building right a good two or three foot as the pressure in the aquifer was released and then uh, we stood there lamely trying to <laughs> pat down with our feet some clay back in this seeping landscape feature that uh, was the aquifer just draining i mean it drains all over the land there's wet patches all over but mm-hmm. <laughs> we just created one above the building site so we could no longer build the house until we capped that so we had to case on a well with concrete rings, and that was a, another job entirely. You know, built a crane to lift them in, and that kind of stuff. It was a great engineering thing, uh, and also it gave the site here a water. Mm-hmm. How lucky! What a dream yeah. to find an aquifer that and to was. find that we have our own water on site. We no longer had to carry twenty-five litre containers in. Mm. People's well, there was also definitely a bit of head scratching and swearing yeah. that went on initially right? because we couldn't start so mm. yeah, we, we, we made the well uh, uh, we thought we'd capped it quite well and we have generally, generally but we installed the uh, the earth floor and uh, the well was yeah taking its own course in other places you know we'd, we'd case on it we'd sealed it off with uh some special clay bentonite Mm -hmm. Uh, but there were other roots being found as well so it erupted inside so we had to dig the clay floor up and sort out the last of the issues that were caused at that that time so that was definitely a, a low point in the entire thing we'll be back after a quick break 
If you're looking for all things BMX racing, you found the right podcast. Here at Lane 8 BMX Podcast, I'll speak to the local racer, the national racer, and even the Olympic level racer. I'm talking kids to the weekend warriors and much more. So get comfortable, turn up the volume, and remember to snap on green. But it, was, <laughs> it, it was interesting, I thought, about the floor, living with it. Mm-hmm. There was, and I'm wondering about the underfloor heating, because we had a gorgeous ambient temperature, but we couldn't quite get the room warm enough in the evening. So it was, the ambient temperature was... It was probably a bit thick. In it was a bit thick. Yeah. So, was there uh, insulation underneath? Yeah, Hassapur, yeah. Um, but it was... Uh, it's that kind of expanded glass. Yeah. Oh, it yeah. Comes okay. in nuggets and yes. It sort of looks it. like coal. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Yes. Yeah, or like the stuff inside an aero bar. Mm-hmm. Little bubbly bits. Uh, yeah. So I didn't know anything about air floors apart from, you know, reading a bit. This was like 15, 14, 15 years ago. So uh, it's the same with straw bale. You know, a lot of sand in the the clay mixes then. Um, I hear that there's less sand being put into earth mixes these days, but that's the stuff that was written in books back then. From mm-hmm. you know, so and lime on the inside, don't really need to have the lime on the inside, but you know, that's what I took from those few books that I'd read. So it's the same with the floor. It was an experiment, uh, which we probably could have lived with because it was beautiful and gorgeous. But it was probably a bit thick, <laughs> and then there was a a water issue from the aquifer that hadn't quite been dealt with properly. So. And you didn't feel like you wanted to, to put put it back in? Uh, no, because it was a lot of work. Mm. Um, and we had lots of oak left over from what we talked about earlier, from the, all the oak trees that we'd had for the first house. So it just seemed, you know, I knew floating floors and... Uh, we put that in sheep's wool insulation, all that kind of stuff. So, and we were worried that we might have that problem again. I think. Mm-hmm. I suppose it's because a... we are on a on a spring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We've built a house on top of a spring. Yeah. Mm. Fair enough. I can very much understand your uh, <laughs> your reasoning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's quite a big kick in the teeth to have to dig up your floor, uh, having to undo. Yeah, something you know how long it took is such yeah. a, a devastating thing. Yeah. yeah, so that was definitely the the big thing about this whole house build. The thing I'd do differently about it, right? Would be definitely have sorted that well out and have sorted out the uh, the damp coursing mm-hmm. underneath the, the back and rerouted lots more French drains and you know. But as we were talking about earlier, mistakes great teachers. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. It wasn't the end of the world. It was just a step backwards. So. <laughs> um, and then, so you mentioned that you kind of, you knew how to do this from books, the, the whole house building the floor. Um, yeah. How, how prepared do you think that made you? Uh, I'd been building quite a few things previously. We right, okay. mucked about with earth bag structures are built straw bale roundhouses with reciprocal roofs for a Buddhist place. I'd been building lots of little buildings and then we built the 
building over there with the timber frame. You know, that was two or three years of pretty serious, you know. Taught myself how to slate and plumb and do electrics and straw bale and plaster, you know. None of it, you know, the best in the world, but it was a good learning ground. So this this felt like, yeah, I've got enough skills in order to do it. But again, it was another learning mm-hmm. learning curve in so many ways. You know, it was different in so many ways, the loaded straw bale thing. But no, I, I truly believe that natural building offers you this amazing ability to build a house yourself with limited skills. You know, these these materials are in us. You mm-hmm. know, they've been with us for millennia and then they're not they don't require any special skills other than a desire to build really they they offer you so much in the fact that you know they they're natural they're free often if you live in a woodland or you know mm-hmm. but also they're offering this knowledge that i think is embedded in us as a species you know you look at a bit of wood and some sticks you know a child can build a simple structure out of sticks and leaves you know it's that's all it is, really. It's play. It's playing with how to build, you know. So, and they inform you as much as you inform it. I mm-hmm. think. So, so there's a lot of that. But the books, you know, and now we've got YouTube and and people that actually know what they're doing. And you go on courses and things. You know, I should have gone on some courses probably, but I didn't know of any. We didn't have internet here in the woods, did we? So, until did it even exist? <laughs> <laughs> it only existed. We just didn't know about it. Yeah. <laughs> so, and yeah. there was a lot less people doing it then. Mm. Yeah, it just wasn't wasn't mainstream. It wasn't no. out there. No. Yeah, probably some pockets in Wales that were really sort of mm. pushing it. But... Mm. Yeah, but we didn't know about them. Yeah, just like I didn't know there was a load of green woodworkers that met up in a field once a year. And, uh, seven, eight years ago when 4G finally hit us. You know, so. so, yeah. Is there a spot in the house that you really, that is your your sort of favourite, a bit that you will, you're drawn to? Joe? Well, because our bedroom's just been finished, I think our bedroom <laughs> <laughs> and our bed, with because we've got, it's a reciprocal roof and there's a, there's a big glass window um, which yes, I it, when we were building it, I was against. I just because I, I just wanted it to be done. So I just just cover it up. Just put wood over it. it doesn't matter. Just get it. Let's get. Let's just get in. But it's it's glass, and we can lie in bed and look at the stars, mm. which is really beautiful. And we've only been in there since Christmas. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah at, at the moment. Lying in bed, looking at the sky, watching the clouds pass over, is my favourite place. And the level of it as well means that we're up in the tops of the trees. Yeah. So right. we get to see the canopy of the, the trees and all of the life that's going mm. on that. And you can just lie in bed and look forward and see that level of mm. life that is often, you know, you, often you spend most of your time looking at your feet, don't you? Yeah. But, uh, being able to look up at that level is quite a treat as well. Mm. And waking up in the morning to that, not just going to sleep with the moon and the stars above mm. you, but waking up in the morning, sometimes I've looked up and the buzzards that fly over this valley have been wheeling. They're just lofted from a, a tree nearby and they're trying to get some height. It's just 
And hearing the rain special. again at night, going to sleep hearing the rain, because living in a yurt, though that was that was one of the my, for me the best things is hearing <laughs> the rain. And Strawbell House, it felt really strange at first because it feels we're so insulated, but it means we can't hear what's happening in the in the woods, you the weather. Miss out on the owls. Yeah. That. Yes, but up there, yeah, it feels like we're back into contact. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I felt the exact same thing. Mm. Uh, you know, lived on uh, lived on a boat and then lived in a caravan while I was building my house and then suddenly I was in this really well-sealed, insulated <laughs> yeah. space. It's, like, it's very quiet, What's isn't it? <laughs> I feel disconnected. But I've got a, a skylight above my bed as uh-huh. well and I really love that like mm-hmm. that sort of thing when you turn off the light and the moonlight's so bright yeah. coming through and you're like oh didn't really make any difference yeah yeah it gets you kind of into that uh rhythm i guess mm. or keeps you in the rhythm mm. yeah. um yeah that nature connection but... so easy to lose mm. um yeah I'd, I'd say that's my favorite space as well Mm. Just it feels calm up there. You know, the rest of the house has got the detritus of life, your bags that you've put down, the mugs you haven't picked up, or you know. And although it's lovely space, it's the bedroom feels clear, uncluttered mm-hmm. and up in space. So Yeah. So that's third second story. Mm-hmm. I get confused, third. but third story. Well, yeah. Round first, second, uh, depending yes, on okay. how you how you do it, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. In America, they do one, two, three. Yeah, that makes more sense to me. <laughs> it confuses everyone when they yeah. go to the other country, yeah. though. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know of really any uh, three-story load-bearing straw bale. No. In fact, when I was in my sort of training years, I remember them uh, Barbara Jones saying, "Like, it's definitely possible." Uh, but no one's done it yet. Yeah. Uh, we, we thought we had to, really. <laughs> yeah. Just. You, you thought we had to. <laughs> you just wanted a roof we, and yeah, finish the house. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we had to. Uh, not that we had to. I thought I'd like to, just mm-hmm. to, to see what the technology was uh, capable of doing. Yeah. So it's definitely stretched it, I think, to its limits. Um, you wouldn't be tempted to put another... Mm-hmm. No, I've. <laughs> yeah, it's straws and camels' backs comes mm-hmm. to mind. You know, every layer of earth or every new floor, the whole place is, you know, not dangerously, but it's just compressed that little bit. And it doesn't take much of a compression. You know, it could have just be like a quarter of an inch, but then the plaster downstairs has taken that weight, so there'd be a, another little crack or just over there. There's. The oak beam that sits on a little shelf. I've oh, re-plastered yeah. that bit four times now. It's just... Yeah. So this should be it. It's fine. You know. Settled in. It's, it's a very clever system. You know, the straw bales technically can take the weight that itself. But then when you put the, the walls on the outside, the two layers of plaster, you've got a stress-skinned panel, which is used in lots of conventional building. You know, so it's actually the plaster that's taking the weight after a while. And, you know, plaster in some places is two, three inches thick on either side. Mm-hmm. Just because of the straw bales being quite so wibbly after the rats that had there go. So, 
So yeah, it's it's a great building technique. It's one problem I think is uh, that you have to put the roof on last, which is quite mm. problematic if you haven't got lots of scaffolding and stuff like that. So yes, that's tricky that way. Definitely been a a push, sort of more recently in the Strawville building to how to develop techniques for building a roof first and then right. dropping it. Be difficult at this height. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, certainly sort of single story buildings, people are building it first and then dropping it or lowering it onto the bales. Yeah, that's the, the latest Barbara Jones book mm-hmm. touches on those structures, doesn't it really? Yeah, right. It's yeah, it's a fascinating process of knocking out wedges so that the roof slowly compresses down. Oh, right, right. And everyone sort of you know, mm. is, surely it's gonna fall over and it just sits quite nicely. Yeah, so it's it's still moving on now as more and more gets built. You learn from your mistakes again, isn't it? Yes, yeah. Find efficiencies and uh, yeah. and benefits of doing other things. Yeah. I think we imagined that if we had enough people to take it up quickly, that it would be okay, that we'd get the straw bales all in. Because the, the, without doing the top tower, but actually it just... Nothing happens as quick as we'd like it to, does it? No, no. Estimating how long something you've never done before. Estimating something, how long something you have done before Mm -hmm. is tricky (laughs) enough, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Let alone when you chuck loads of unknowns at something. Yeah, just mixing plaster, electrics. Goodness me, there's a lot going on in a house. Mm -hmm. And each thing takes a long time, so. So, yeah, it's lovely to be in that bedroom. It feels, although the house isn't complete, it feels like a completion of sorts. But the only thing, really, to still complete is the greenhouse on the front. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, interesting. So a wraparound sort of south side. So that big timber frame just there in front of the kitchen. Mm -hmm. Because if the Weetabix, it's, it's the sort of, this is the round bit and then, it's the other bit on, to make the Weetabix shape. Yeah, it's had a bit cut out of the front edge of yeah. the Weetabix yeah. on the kitchen side. I love that you call it a Weetabix. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it looked like. Yeah. On the plans, it really it's a, is. It's a great descriptor. <laughs> <laughs> it's the shape, yeah. And so it'll be a two-storey um, greenhouse. And wow. then the kids have got a balcony up there as well that they at the top of it. They've got a little door in the outside of their bedroom so that they can meet on this balcony yeah uh so that's a mezzanine in the in the greenhouse and yeah the greenhouse will be you know a buffer and it'll take a tree it'll have a, a lemon in it or, or a fig or still trying to decide which tree all of them yes <laughs> yeah, an olive tree in there yeah you know it's just yeah, that, that was part of the original vision so mm-hmm. a little space to grow and and that'll extend round to the porch because the porch is so you arrive into the house through our shed, which isn't the most attractive, <laughs> welcoming. So yeah, that that and finishing the sort of wall around there. It's the next, the but last it's, big. It's porch, more isn't exterior it? stuff. The, yeah. 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 Oh, the bathroom. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, each area. <laughs> the, bathroom. the bathroom first. Well, each area has been. Okay, this is a building in itself, you know. That's just because there's this huge curtain round the back. You know, part of it makes what we use as a bike shed. Part of it makes the uh, 
as we move around the back of the building on the north side part of it means it's a pantry that's that door there behind us and then part of it we couldn't use because the aquifer folded there and then we're back into what is our main entrance the porch which then joins onto the greenhouse so there's this huge curtain which looked quite easy on the plans but actually each (laughs) one of those sections is a a small building in itself yeah Optimism is a wonderful thing. And you've got to start building with optimism, haven't you? You wouldn't start if you didn't have it. No. 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 I think as a as a builder, that's probably your, your greatest gift, is this blind optimism. <laughs> You're going to create this this thing and and the job of creating it is is wonderful, but it's always a lot harder yeah. than I ever imagined it to be. Mm-hmm. but that's part of its beauty as well no adventure without adversity is there I feel <laughs> hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. All right. Thank you, Joe and Matt. So great to hear about your house while sat in it. Such a beautiful space. Really enjoyed my time in the Weetabix and just really, really enjoyed uh, getting to hang out with Joe and Matt. Um, I get to see them at, at Green Woodworking events. Uh, but yeah, to really get to, to know them and ask ask all the questions I wanted to ask was uh, was a really brilliant, brilliant thing for me personally. Um, and so I hope you all enjoyed it at home. Um, there is links in the show notes, uh, minimal links this week, really, uh, just Joe and Matt and Abundant Earth. And, uh, I'll put a link also to the book, uh, the Barbara Jones Strawbell book. And also the, uh, there's timber frame book that, um, that Matt used for timber framing the, the building. I had a, a flick through it just after we finished recording and it's full of all details and joints uh, and is really um, better than any timber framing book I've I've ever seen. So, um, so I'm going to get myself a copy of that. Um, maybe you want to too. If this was your first episode, then do subscribe. Go back and check out all of the other episodes. Uh, there is a whole lot of interesting straw type stuff. Uh, maybe you can check out the episode with Phil Christopher. Um, he was talking about all things straw bale, uh, particularly the project they did up in Hastings Visitor Centre 
quick reminder to share this episode if you can really appreciated if you are listening on apple podcasts then if you get just two minutes just to write a quick review give it a five star rating uh that really does help more people to find this podcast um and also makes me really smug uh patron if you want to support this podcast and financially uh you can support it by sharing but uh yeah financially uh then do head to patreon.com forward slash building sustainability uh you get about 10 hours of bonus content on there from various guests from the the first hundred episodes uh and you get a little bit of waffle from me uh you get to see around my house things like that i think that's everything thank you very much for listening i hope you're really really well and uh i look forward to coming back with some more chats with nice people uh very very soon all right catch you later planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and it's all priced at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands plus Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.